Welcome, everybody. I have the privilege today to speak on uh, your weapons, strong and mighty. Now, before you go into any battle, your commanding officer, your pastors, your pastor's wife, your leaders, they need to know that you know how to handle a weapon. No commanding officer will ever share the battle strategy with someone that doesn't even know how to use their weapons. Our weapons as Christians are things like Bible reading, speaking in tongues, prayer, humility, worship, fasting. And today, many women get saved. They want to experience the victory without a battle. But worse, they want to experience the victory without ever having to use their weapons. And that's just not how battles are won, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want you to notice in the scripture that Paul uses the plural. He says weapons, not weapon. That means that there are many weapons available to us to use against our enemy. Yes, we can do a whole lot better job at using these weapons more effectively, right? I know I can. But today, I would like to expose some weapons that many times get overlooked as being weapons in the first place. Basically, the more weapons we have at our disposal, the more battle-ready we will be. So how many of you want to be ready for the battle? I know I do. I don't want to get caught off guard. I believe God ultimately wants us to know how to use all his weapons so well that we will be the most effective warriors for his kingdom. How many of you want to be effective? Yes, I want to be effective. So the first weapon I want to discuss is you and I as mighty weapons of God. You are a weapon, ladies. I truly believe that God in heaven desires to send us as the tip of the spear, the special forces of heaven's kingdom to do damage to the devil's kingdom. Did you know that God expects all of us to do damage to the devil's kingdom? Yes. Amen. And when we don't, guess what? It frustrates him. For example, Jesus' frustration shows in the scripture here. In Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 19, it says, Someone in the crowd replied, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they were unable Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long must I remain with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus was basically telling his disciples that they should have already been at the level to cast out demons, to take the fight to the enemy. 
He wanted them to be strong weapons against hell and his demons. Jesus also expects us, ladies, to fight spiritual battles. He expects us to be warriors for his kingdom, and he wants us to know how to use all the weapons that he's given us. I'm going to give you a biblical example of how we can be mighty weapons. During the time of King David's rise to power, he had many followers. Most joined the general army, but then there were a special group of men and they were called David's mighty men. These were not soldiers in the general army, but they were David's mighty men. They were David's special forces. Men that were the cream of the crop. Men that weren't afraid to fight when the odds were stacked against them. These men were like the Navy SEALs of today. What made these men mighty was their dedication to their God, and their dedication to their king. They would fight alone if they had to, and they did not run from a fight. Here is what one of David's mighty men did. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11 through 12, it says, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. They ran. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Now, it might seem insignificant and not, worth, uh, not worthwhile to risk one's life for a field of beans, right? So why did Shammah risk his life to defend a plot of lentils? Israel's troops, they fled. They ran from the Philistines. They thought it would be wiser to choose and pick their battles at a more favorable location. But guess what Shammah thought? He thought otherwise. He chose to defend the field of lentils and not run. Why do you think he did this? Because Shammah knew the field belonged to Israel, and the lentils were food for God's chosen people. He knew why and for what he was fighting for. Ladies, we have to know why we are even in this battle. If you don't know your purpose, you are going to have a hard time taking a stand in the midst of the battle. And unfortunately, ladies, many times I think that we as mothers, as wives, and as single women, we're all too ready to just surrender. Surrender small portions to truth just to avoid conflict. And let me explain what I mean by this. You choose not to fight your friends or your husband or your children about sin that they are involved in because you just don't want conflict. You would rather choose not to fight so you can have some peace. And guess what this looks like? This is what we call compromise. We allow things into our homes or into our lives that we know God is not okay with. And sometimes you don't take a stand and stand your ground. And you may flee with other Christians that also won't stand their ground. That's what the Israelites did. Most of them ran. 
They followed the crowd. And here's something to note. Just because the majority of Christians are doing something doesn't mean it's right. You need to assess the situation and make sure that you are acting out of God's will and not your own will or the will of the majority. That's important to remember. So here's the question. Are you more interested in doing what the majority of Christians are doing or are you more interested in what God would expect you to do? But when you do take a stand like Shema in that scripture and tell the devil, no devil, you can't take this from me. You can't take this from my family. And you choose to stand and fight, even if all the other believers leave you to fight alone, you will have a great victory. Because guess what? You chose to stand and fight. You stood your ground. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. As a result, Shammah's courage, it's recorded in the scriptures that the Lord brought about a great victory. You see, ladies, when we decide to stay put and stand our ground, guess what? We too will experience great victory. Your prayers will be answered. Your children will be saved. Your diseases will disappear. Your finances will improve. Your friends will change. Your attitude will change. Your husband will change. Hallelujah. Yes. Shema, he looked at the battle through a different set of lenses. He realized that this is not my ground that I'm fighting for. This is God's ground that I'm fighting for. And that even though I'm alone, I am not alone. Everyone else has left, but I will not run. Because if the Lord be for me, then who can be against me? Yes. And this same attitude, ladies, is what will make us weapons strong and mighty. The truth is that some of you have weapons, but you are not using them all, or you're not using them to your full potential. Another way to make sure that we are using our weapons in a strong and mighty way is to use the tools that you've already been given as a weapon. In a story found in Judges, a woman used what was available to her to come against her enemy. Here's the story in Judges chapter 4, verse 21. It says, But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Jael, under the circumstances, she had no better weapon than a tent peg. And since the tent she was in was a woman's tent, she had no swords. You know what she did have, though? She had extensive experience putting up tents using the tent pegs. She was skilled with that tool. She used the resources given to her in that particular situation. She didn't waste a moment thinking, oh, what am I going to do if only I had a sword? She took what was at hand and did what had to be done. 
She was a woman of action. And that's what we need to be. We need to be women of action. She didn't let the opportunity pass her up. Her enemy, the enemy of God's people, was in the tent asleep. And God basically equipped her for the work that he put right in front of her. And that's what he does with us, ladies. What skills has God given you? And are you looking for opportunities to use it as a weapon against the kingdom of hell? For example, some of you are prayer warriors, as we all should be. And you're a warrior in prayer because you pray on your own, not only when people are watching. And it's effective. Some of you are great talkers. Are you using the gift of being able to conversate with new visitors that God has brought? You can have a golden opportunity, a golden moment with visitors because they may not come back the next time unless you use your gift to conversate with them. I know, ladies, you're all well-equipped with that, right? We are all well-equipped with that. Now I'm going to go into another weapon that goes unnoticed, and it's obedience as a weapon. In Zechariah Chapter 3, verse 1 through 2 and 6, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Obedience to God, ladies, and his requirements brings God's weapons against the devil, and guess what? It gives you authority. Did you know? That if you're not winning battles, it may be because you're lacking authority, and that is directly connected on how well you obey. He basically farts, fights our battles when we're walking in obedience. In that scripture, God basically promised Joshua authority in the heavenly realm as long as he remained obedient. Ladies, obedience in our lives is critical. Without obedience, we cannot have authority in the spiritual realm. It's vital. Maybe some of you are losing battles because you don't want to obey or submit to your leaders or your pastors or your pastor's wife or the word of God. We read the word of God and what many of us do is we pick and we choose what we want to obey. This is not how the kingdom of God works. If God says it, we need to obey it, period. Remember, Jesus was obedient, and he was humble to the very point of death. Obedience and humility, they go hand in hand in the kingdom. So I want us to think things through. We want the victory, right? Then we need to strategize. Yes, and we need to make sure that we are not surrendering our weapons before we even use them. Obedience is one of the weapons that you start using even before you step into the battle. 
That's important to remember. And guess what? Obedience is easy when you love the Lord. It shouldn't be a problem. Now, I'm going to go into one last weapon that I would like to address is a weapon that I remember that we used powerfully when I first got saved by many Christians. But lately, I have noticed not many Christians are picking up this weapon. And that is the weapon of speaking in tongues. It was the first gift that God gave after Jesus ascended. And it was the gift that marked the baptism and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Pentecost was the event where the Spirit was manifested in the upper room on all the disciples. And the way the gift showed was through the speaking of tongues. Jesus stated that we would speak in tongues. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Speaking in tongues is a sign for all believers. Here's another scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Amen. Yes. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it states, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When you pray in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God. Remember that. And don't we all want the perfect will of God? Yes. Yes. Who doesn't want the perfect will of God? Single ladies, don't you want the perfect will of God when you're praying for your future husband? Yes. And when the scripture says that the spirit intercedes for you, through tongues, basically this means that when you're praying in tongues, God is interceding for you. The perfect will of God. How awesome is that? That the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth is praying for us when we speak in tongues. That's powerful and we need to remember. That's a weapon. And for those that doubt, that the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues fire was only for Pentecost and not now? That's not so. The Holy Spirit was poured out in Ephesus 25 years after Pentecost through the Apostle Paul's ministry. And it's still being poured out today. Hallelujah. Yes. Speaking in tongues, ladies, it's a secret weapon that literally drops out of heaven right into our hands. It is directly given to us by God's Holy Spirit himself. And if you're here today and you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, you ask God and you believe you have not because you ask not. God wants to give it to you. God wants to deliver. And for those of you that have it, why would you put this weapon aside 
and just use it for five minutes a day. Pick that weapon up and use it. Use it for an hour. Use it for two hours. Go to town against the enemy. You have it. Use it. I challenge you, ladies. I challenge you to pray in tongues for one hour. In tongues only. It will revolutionize your prayer life. I promise you that. Try it. And you will see the power of God move in your life. Did you know that Jesus, he also challenged his disciples. He challenged them to pray for an hour. When you do this, you're going to literally burn hell itself with the fire from heaven. Because the Holy Ghost fire is going to come down and tell the devil, oh no, back on up, devil. You can't have my daughter. You can't touch their kids. You can't have their family. In Jesus' name, God will fight for you. So put that weapon to work. Let that boy tremble and put him to flight. That's what we need to do. It gets me mad. The enemy, when I see him destroying lives, it frustrates me. I'm like, we got to fight for each other. When the disciples were baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost, the very shatter, shadows of Peter healed the sick. The very handkerchiefs and aprons of Paul healed the sick. We need to desire the fire. God, I want your fresh fire. Release it upon your women. We want it to fight in our battle. You're on the front lines. We got to press through. Even when the disciples were just walking and minding their own business, the power flew out of, flowed out of them. Don't we want that? Then when we're walking and minding on our business, that God's Holy Ghost power just flows, just flows and touches people. Even when you're at work, your work clothes can be anointed to heal others, like the work handkerchief and the work apron of Paul that were part of his work uniform while he was building tents. God touched people. God's power that comes from speaking in tongues is for us all day long, ladies. All day long, wherever we are. God's weapon of speaking in tongues is strong and mighty. In closing, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If we want to pull down strongholds, cast down arguments, and every high demon, then we need to use every weapon that God has given us. So, do you want to use this weapon, this little pocket knife? Yeah, we'll do some damage and maybe kill your enemy after a thousand stabs. And who knows if even by then he'll even die, right? Or would you rather use this weapon, strong and mighty, 
God's weapons, ladies, are meant to annihilate the enemy. Just like when David cut off the head of the giant, it was evident that the enemy had been defeated. It was no doubt that the enemy had been defeated. When you use the Lord's weapons, there is no doubt that you will win your battles. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. God, I just pray that you equip your women, God, that you equip them for warfare, that they pick up the weapons that you've given them, God, to press in and press through, God. Anoint them to stay in the battle and fight. And we just give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.